You're listening to Meet the RIA. In this special podcast edition of the show, you'll get expert insight from some of the top registered investment advisors in the country. Here's your host, Jenna Dagenhart, and today's special guest, Rick Edelman, founder and chairman of Edelman Financial Engines. Hello and welcome to Meet the RIA. Joining us now to talk about the election, COVID-19, and his outlook for the fourth quarter is Rick Edelman. He's the founder of Edelman Financial Engines, which has been consistently ranked the number one independent registered investment advisor in the country by Barron's. Rick, with the election rapidly approaching, do you think that volatility has been baked into the markets? Uh, Well, I think it's baking, Jenna. Uh, I think we're going to continue to see significant levels of volatility for the foreseeable future. The election, COVID developments and whatnot are going to keep investors on edge. Uh, Everybody's looking for the long-term trend, and that isn't going to be defined for some time. So it won't take much to cause the market to drop a whole lot or rise a whole lot. Volatility is the name of the day, and I think it's going to be that way for a while. And come Tuesday, November 3rd, how should investors be interpreting the results? Not from a political perspective, of course, but rather what it means for their portfolios. Well, we are just releasing a webinar on this very topic. How should you handle your investment strategy given the election? Uh, we've done extensive research on this going back to 1949, the presidency of Eisenhower, and looking at the performance of the markets during every presidential administration, not only the White House, but also who controls the House and the Senate, to try to get an answer to the question, what does it mean for Republicans or Democrats to be in control in Washington, D.C.? Because investors are all pretty confident that they need to make investment changes depending on who wins. And the research tells us that that is incorrect, that you're making a very big mistake if you allow your political views to color your investment strategy. It's understandable to want to do that, but it is misguided. And so the real message that we're conveying to folks is to avoid that temptation, focus politics on politics, pay attention to the nation's social uh, issues, and vote uh, accordingly, but don't allow your concerns about investments and performance of the market to sway you in terms of your uh, investment strategy. And of course, one of the major issues going into the election is COVID-19. We saw it come up during the first presidential debate quite a bit. So that being said, you know, what's different now with COVID compared to March? Well, but back in March, we all, I think, assumed it was going to be with us for only a short period. You know, and the entire country was willing to engage in lockdowns because, you know, you wait for the storm to pass. It's what everybody does when they get news of a flood or a hurricane or a tornado or wildfires. We do what we got to do to get through it. We don't expect it to last a year or two. And now that that's what we're all realizing is occurring, the willingness of everybody to cooperate is dissipating. Uh, you add to the fact that there is question about whether these vaccines are going to be Uh, ever made available, and if they are made available, can you trust them? Two-thirds of Americans say that they are not going to take the vaccine for at least six months upon availability, and a quarter of Americans say they're never going to be inoculated. Well, if we don't take the vaccine, then what good did it do us? So it's creating a lot of angst as to what this is going to force the government to do in order to eradicate this uh, virus and allow Americans to be safe. 
And of course, it's not just an American issue, it's a global issue. So back in March, we thought it would be over soon. We're now realizing it isn't, and we need to figure out how to adapt. Many of us are adapting just fine, thank you very much, but a great many other Americans are struggling terribly, partly because of the nature of their occupation, partly because of their uh, own personal health, partly because of caregiving requirements and obligations in their households. And so it is the tale of two cities, and that's making it a really big challenge. And of course, COVID is wreaking havoc on the economy. Do you think that the economy will catch up to stocks, which have rebounded quite nicely? Or do you think that the rally has gone too far and we could see some sort of a major correction in the fourth quarter? Well, I must admit that I'm in the camp of not quite, in, not quite understanding this disconnect between the economy and the stock market. Uh, clearly, the economy is struggling horrifically. We uh, have had 50 million Americans lose their jobs during this pandemic. Less than half of them have gotten their jobs back. The unemployment rate is still uh, above that of 2008's worst period. And it has been uh, consistently bad for 17 weeks in a row. We have a third of uh, American companies looking at closing by the end of the year. Uh, and the, the numbers go on and on and on. And that's just the economic impact, let alone the health impact to, to America. The lost productivity, uh, the slowdown in innovation, uh, the reduction in patent applications, we're seeing the long-term effects already beginning to emerge from all of this. And yet, clearly, the stock market's acting like everything's fine. Uh, and it's hard to understand how the stock market is pricing itself higher than before the pandemic came out. So there's a big disconnect right now between what's happening in the economy and what's happening in the stock market. And at some point, the two are going to reconcile themselves. Now, that could occur in one of two ways. It could be that the economy very quickly recovers, bringing itself up to where the market is. Or it could cause the market to be flat for a while and let the economy catch up. Or the stock market could engage in a correction. We began to see one in September. Uh, and a correction may occur, like we saw in 2008, Nobody wants to see that, but one of those three scenarios are the only three things that can happen. We have to wait and see how it plays out. In the meantime, we're advising our clients to prepare for the worst, uh, and that means to have ample cash reserves. We're telling our clients two years' worth of, worth of spending, and to consider reducing their equity allocation if they might be panicked if the markets were to fall sharply like they did in 2008. Uh, so that they can survive the storm, because once we get through the crisis, once the vaccine's available, once everyone's inoculated, we fully expect to be returning to exactly the fun times like we had in 2019. Yeah, that emergency fund is changing a bit now. It really is. We used to tell our clients, no, oh, three months to 12 months is plenty uh, in cash reserves. We've dramatically increased it to 24 months because we're discovering that uh, in a severe recession like this one, it happened in 08, it happened in 92, it happened in 87. When you have a severe economic challenge, uh, people who lose their jobs, it can take 10 years for them to get new jobs. Uh, and so we need to prepare our clients for the possibility that if they do lose their jobs, they could be out of work for a very long time. And I don't wanna see them having to sell their investments while they might be down in value. And that means building cash reserves so you can rely on that to get you through the crisis. And despite this extremely chaotic environment, we're seeing a boom in startups. What's driving this? 
what happens in every recession when you can't find a job you invent your own it's wonderful americans are based on capitalism it's how our nation was formed and it makes perfect sense and and with today's technology it has never been easier to start your own business so it's wonderful that americans are recognizing the opportunities and the need for adapting and starting your own business is a great way to go do this Unfortunately, not everyone has the ability to do it. It takes capital because you're not earning an income at the moment. You're going to be spending money to start up your business. Uh, and many people don't really know what it takes to start a business. Uh, and this is why we all know that most small businesses fail. But nevertheless, today's environment makes it easier than ever to start one. And if you can't get the job that you're looking for, create your own company and hire yourself. Give yourself the job that you wish somebody else would provide for you. Long term, it's going to take a little while because a company that gets started today takes time. They can't hire a lot of people immediately on day one, whereas that business that had a shutdown in the spring, they can hire back their workers. They've already got a customer base and a product and service business in, in uh, operation. So it's not as good for the economy to start a business as to help an existing one operate. But given what's going on, the new business growth is a great uh seed planting for our nation's future. And finally, what else should we be watching heading into the final months of what has been a very volatile year? Well, we all looked at ourselves back in February and March and we said, boy, thank goodness COVID showed up in the springtime so that people could be outdoors and restaurants could serve people out of doors and you were able to walk to work. You didn't have bad weather to force you into a car or a bus. Well, here we are in October, headed into the winter season. We haven't experienced COVID in the cold. So we don't know what this is going to mean for business or for health. Uh, there are a lot of uncertainties ahead of us. And for those reasons, it's a little premature to get hugely excited. Uh, we do see the future eventually resolving this virus as we have defeated every virus uh, throughout history. Uh, but it's going to be a little bit rocky between here and there. And unfortunately, I suspect it's not going to be over as quickly as we would all wish that it would be. Well, Rick, thank you so much for your time. Great to have you. Always a pleasure. Thanks. And thank you for watching. That was Rick Edelman, the founder of Edelman Financial Engines. And I'm Jenna Dagenhart with Asset TV. Thank you for tuning in to Meet the RIA. Visit AssetTV.com for more financial news and information, and be sure to check out our other episodes of the Meet the RIA podcast.